0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. John Vance. John, it's great to have you here.
1: Delighted to be here. Hello, everyone.
0: Always a treat to have you come to the studio. Uh, John, some time ago you were a professor as well as being a pastor, and one of your areas of expertise was that of world religions, Today, again, uh, in the news is another terrorist attack that happened a little over a week ago in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where men were killed uh, by this person and uh, when When the news broke, when it first came out, one of the first questions I had was, "Well, who did it you know and it seemed like um, uh, it took a while before information flowed out as to the person who was the perpetrator and what the person believed and that sort of thing. And it, I was starting to feel helpless, like like the information was being held back. So anyway, today we want to talk about Islam. And you've written a paper back early June uh, with the title, Is Islam a Religion of Peace? And so maybe you can get us started uh, talking about this. Um, why is it that it seems like, these Islamic terrorists are almost protected by the media at at times.
1: Well, that is true. Uh, And sometimes the motives may be considered good motives or noble motives. They don't want to have a a reaction against them or uh, so forth. And there are uh, many Muslims that are not participating in this sort of thing, of course. They're, They're innocent of this kind of thing and do not desire... Uh, to join the jihadist. But on the other hand, uh, almost all of the terrorist acts that's being committed in the world today are being committed by one group with a certain philosophy. And it's an Islamist philosophy. And um, I I think that's the reason. Others are just simply uh, apologists for Islam and will not shoot straight when it comes to the religion and be honest. They'll be honest about Christianity They'll be honest about uh, Judaism, but they will not be honest about Islam. Hmm. And uh, I don't know all the motives. You would have to enter into a person's mind and heart to understand that. But I do know that the news media, by and large, uh, are protecting some of these Muslims. That's why, the, that's why the information dribbles out. You almost have to pull it out of them. Yeah, And uh, they have their own reasons. It, they have a certain template that they're following, and that's the way it's going to be. Well, there's a lot of questions we
0: could ask. One obvious one that maybe it'll take too long to discuss, the paper you wrote, is Islam, a, a religion of peace? What's some of the thoughts that you went through as you worked on your paper? And, and I, I think some of that got published on the Hill Study Center site.
1: Yes, I did write that, and that's a question that's important because... Uh, our presidents, for instance, both uh, George Bush and uh, President Obama, both uh, declared that Islam is a religion of peace. And I began to think about that and examine that question. So, why then is Islam producing so many radicals? So, that was the title of the paper Is Islam a Religion of Peace? And I wanted to do two things. First of all, I wanted to look at the original sources. Of Islam, the first source that's most important, of course, is the Quran. But not far behind are what are called the uh, Hadiths. These are reports of what the uh, what the early uh, uh, Muhammad did by his companions. They they reported what he did and how he behaved and his attitudes and things like that. And so, this has become the basis for Islamic law: the the uh, Quran and the Hadiths, and they're very important. There are several collections of the Hadiths. And I began to read through some of those. I, I read the Quran. I read those important uh, uh, surahs. That's what the chapters are called in the Quran. And uh, chapter nine being the most important to read. That is the the surah that contains a lot of the of the uh, passages about jihad. Mm-hmm. And then I read a lot of the hadith reports, and I came to the conclusion that there is a basis for a militant jihad in early Islam, it's quite clear that this was what the, the uh, prophet was about. He was not simply an apostle or a prophet. He was also a military commander. He um, he commanded an army. He was a political leader. The, in Islam, there is no distinction made between, if you will, mosque and state, or church and state. Mm-hmm. It's all one. There's no no concept like that. Okay, And so Muhammad... Uh, would pray uh, five times a day and in the synagogue and he would also take up weapons and lead his men into war, his warriors. And so there was no distinction there. and um, then I decided to do a little bit more and that was to take certain examples in history such as the Crusade period and other periods, the early conquests so forth, you know of North Africa and so forth, uh, down to the present, Uh, maybe six or seven prominent episodes and see if these values and outlook still held in each situation. situation. Mm. And uh, what I found was is that Islam, which means not peace, uh, it means surrender, that Islam is much more militant than any other religion, major religion, much more, Uh, number one. And number two, I discovered that it's not just simply part of their history. It continues up to the present day. You can't say that about Christianity. It's quite clear that in the last number of centuries, Christianity, if you will, is no longer uh, doing some of the things they did in the Middle Ages. And that's true of a lot of religions, but it's not true of Islam. It Mm -hmm. continues because uh, what I found, and this is the most important thing, that jihad or militant warfare is an institution in Islam for its spread, Whereas in Christianity, it never was. Jesus certainly wouldn't sanction that sort of thing. That's a
0: big distinction. It's very
1: important. It's very important. And and there have been uh, Buddhists who've been quite militant at times, but there's nothing in Buddhism that requires you to do that. But in Islam, it's, it's a command to strive in the way of Allah. Mm-hmm. And this means militant jihad.
0: There's probably thousands upon thousands of Muslims who are not violent? Millions, even millions, even. many millions. And I, I knew one years ago at at work, nicest guy you'd ever want to know. But it gets me thinking if perhaps this friend of mine was really not all that consistent with the teachings of the Quran and the Hadiths.
1: You know, one thing is 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 curious. The less faithful you are to the founding documents of Islam, or a less faithful Muslim you are, the less likely you are to be a militant jihadist.
0: I was wondering about that.
1: Yeah, you, There are many, many uh, millions and millions of peaceful Muslims, hundreds of millions. Mm-hmm. But remember that the militants today, if it comprises what they say is 10%, uh, that is 150 million militants That's a lot of people. in our world. Yeah. So a religion can be one thing, and the people who practice it can be another thing. Mm -hmm. So if you have a,
0: a follower of Islam who tries to follow it very closely and is consistent with the example of Muhammad, is he or she called a fundamentalist in that tradition?
1: They are called fundamentalists, but actually... Islam, if you will, and in, in that—that's that, actually an American term. It doesn't okay. quite fit. They—they ha- they have a term they call Salafist or Salafism, and what Salafists try to do—and these are the militants—most of the Salafists that we have today are, mil- I mean, many are militant. Not all of them, but what they try to do is to emulate Muhammad, and really the first three generations, because that was pristine Islam. Okay, that was the model to follow that Allah gave. And so you try to reproduce that. And so if you reproduce that, you're going to reproduce the violence that you find in early Islam. I, I looked up how many campaigns, war campaigns that Muhammad had after the what is called the Hajj when they went from Mecca to Medina. And that was in uh, 622. Muhammad died 10 years later. In those 10 years, he averaged a campaign, either a raid or a military attack, about every five to six weeks. Mm-hmm. So the whole period was one of, of militancy there, and they mm-hmm. have that example, and it's part of the record. And you can't expunge it, even though a lot of Muslims today will try to play that down. But jihad was a very important matter in early Islam.
0: Well, today we're talking about Islam and is it a religion of peace. With me is Dr. John Vance. Besides being the former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York, Dr. Vance also uh, taught college courses in world religion. And so uh, he became uh, very familiar with Islam and has studied the original documents I hesitate getting into this next area but but I think we must as we look at uh, the founder of Islam that's Muhammad Muhammad as a role model I guess we can say what picture starts to emerge as we study his life and study the documents
1: it it is important to understand uh, Muhammad uh, Islam uh, evolved very early in in the Mecca period it was primarily religious like we would understand it he was a prophet but he was in the minority and was being persecuted he was persecuted he and his followers uh, by the polytheists but when he made the hajj or the immigration to medina and there he was invited to come to solve some of the tribal warfare that was going on when he arrived there he gained power and his role changed first of all uh, not only was he a religious leader, as I said earlier, he was a military leader, a political leader. But I think most important of all, he was a an example to follow. Hmm. And this meant that everything he did in one way or another is uh, modeled what a Muslim should be. Number one, the way he ate, uh, his, uh, his uh, dietary habits. His uh, sexual habits, uh, his, his hygienic habits all became a model for Muslims. And uh, so, therefore, in following him, and since he is, as, as the Quran says, a most perfect example to follow. Therefore, following him meant also that you would follow him in his way toward non-Muslims and toward conquests and things like that. And so that is a strand in Islam uh, that if it is ever going to uh, not produce these militants, it's going to have to be rejected, that part of Islam.
0: You just made me think about something, and that is those um, Muslims who are not violent, are relatively peaceful, and as a, a good number of them are, in their belief system, is jihad still part of it?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yes. It's 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 part of the warp and woof of of Islam. Uh-huh. You you can't really extract it or separate it out, though modern Muslim apologists have tried to do so, and the way they've done this is kind of slick. Uh, all of the early passages that pertain to jihad really have to do with militancy about the spread of the influence and power of Islam. Uh-huh. Uh, Islam early on was about conquest. And, they, and it happened very rapidly. It's actually, it's amazing how quickly uh, they were able to conquer so many places. Mm-hmm. Uh, they conquered, for instance, within the first hundred years, they, had, they had conquered uh, practically all of Iran and Iraq today. They conquered all of North Africa into Spain, Egypt. Uh, so it's amazing. Now, they didn't force people necessarily to become Muslims. They just had to live under their influence. Okay, so they could live side by side, but they didn't have the status. Oh, no, they had a second-class citizenship. <laughs> okay. They had to pay a certain poll tax right. or tribute. They couldn't do certain things. They had to give deference to Muslims. Uh, eventually, though, these people uh, converted to Islam. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it was, was forced conversion, but most often it was not. Uh, they just simply, over time, converted to, to uh, Islam, and those lands became Muslim. Mm-hmm. So uh, back to this idea, though, in, in about 200 years after Muhammad's death, uh, there was talk of what is called jihad in another sense, in a spiritual sense of self-improvement and so forth. And so that kind of began to develop, particularly among the Sufis and the ascetics. They begin to talk about inward transformation and but they never separated it from militant. Jihad. So what is called the greater jihad, self-improvement, was also tied with the lesser jihad, or that is, warfare. Hmm. And so they went together. But in the 19th and 20th century, uh, particularly when Muslims write to non-Muslims like Europeans, they talk about the, the greater jihad, which is self-striving for self-improvement or improving society as being really what Muhammad taught. Mm-hmm. Well, Muhammad really didn't teach that Uh at all, so that seems to be um, a tactic. It's a tactic, morning. Yeah. Good word.
0: Okay. What about Sharia law? Um, is that warp and woof of of, of the belief system yes.
1: here? It's, yes. Uh, as okay. I had one Muslim student say to me from Egypt, uh, "This is God's constitution for the whole human race." Uh huh. Now, constitution is a wonderful word. Uh, we have a constitution, a written constitution, but remember that constitution. If I were to ask you, how are you doing? Uh, why are you drinking the orange juice? Well, I'm doing it for my constitution. Yeah, It's for your well-being. We have a written document. supposed to be for the body politics well-being. And in Islam, uh, Sharia really is that constitution mm-hmm. which people should live by. So therefore, Sunni Muslims say they're not a theocracy. They're just simply living by God's constitution. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Sharia which is made up of the founding documents of the Quran and the Hadiths, uh, the Hadith reports, that really constitutes uh, Sharia plus some of the legal rulings that layer on top of that. You can't have Islam in one sense without Sharia.
0: Okay, yeah. Could you have a situation where, suppose Islam takes over in a, in a country, and the the non-Muslims become second-class citizens, and you don't yet have Sharia, um, but it, that seems to be the end goal.
1: Well, Sharia can be uh, applied several ways. The ideal goal is that everyone on the planet would live under Sharia, because that's God's way. That's what Allah uh, wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good for everybody. It's good for the body politic; it's good for the human being, so they're con- totally convinced of that, mm-hmm. and all of the laws that go with it—the punishments and everything—having your hand cut off for stealing or or uh, throwing a, a homosexual off a building.
0: I'm going to interrupt you there, and that is um, this thing of marriage in in the states, and you know, same-sex marriage and all of that. Um, we have um, certainly a lot of freedom here in the states, and, yes. And Christians, while they disagree with um, homosexuality, because the Bible says so, they're not going around killing homosexuals.
1: No, uh, the the doctrine of tolerance grew up in Christianity. where It did, didn't it? Where you say, I don't agree with you. I may strongly disagree with you, but you're not going to harm another person. After all, they're in the image of God. Now, that doesn't mean the state can't do certain things like, the death penalty and so forth, but as an individual, I do have to tolerate certain things that I uh, adamantly do not uh, agree with.
0: So it is true that the tolerance worldwide tends to come from the Christian tradition. Well, it
1: developed in Christianity. Yeah. It developed in Christianity in the 16th century.
0: It's interesting. Now, under Sharia law, if uh, society has embraced fully Sharia law, then what happens to those who are outwardly uh, declared to be homosexuals?
1: Well, they would be put to death, mm-hmm. ideally, and so would a person who converts to Christianity from Islam, let's say, or to Judaism. Same punishment. They would be put to death, because yeah. that's that's a betrayal of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that would be, uh, 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 you you would be betraying your country.
0: Well, I can tell you, I, I certainly hope that we don't someday uh, get Sharia law here in the States. Right now, it seems like we're a long way from it, but...
1: Well, we have it here in the States. It's practiced on a family level. Yeah. And it's practiced sometimes in a community level, like in a uh, mosque. Uh-huh. So it can, Sharia can be practiced on a family level, tribal level, uh, a larger geographical area, or it can be practiced by a country or, or a mm-hmm. large, significant region. Ideally, the whole world, though, would come under Sharia, but a, a good Muslim, who who wants to live by Sharia, according to their understanding of what a goodness is, uh, may want to practice it in their family. That's why you have these honor killings.
0: Oh, okay. The plot kind of thickens here. We have a few minutes left yet. Can you talk to us a little bit about martyrdom? Seems like that happens a lot here in Islam.
1: Yes, the jihadists uh, are martyrs for Islam. What, what what your audience should know, though, is that there is a different concept of martyrdom in Islam as compared, let's say, for instance, in Judaism or Christianity. Different, yeah. It's quite different. Here is the way that it differs. Uh, in Christian martyrdom, it is someone being put to death for their faith. It's passive, though, the person. It's not in the way that you're out uh, fighting and killing and you get shot or uh, you get your a sword run through you or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Christian uh, example of what martyrdom is, let's take, for instance, uh, uh, Raymond Law, who was a famous missionary to uh, North Africa. He was a Christian missionary to the Muslims. And he went to North Africa to preach, and he was flogged and beaten and thrown out of the country and went back to Europe. He did that three times, but the last time he was an old man, he was back Hmm. preaching. And uh, they took him, and uh, they uh, they put him to death.
2: Mm, killed him. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, that would be called a martyr in the Christian sense, a person who stands up for their faith. Or a Christian martyr would be one who would not deny the faith in the Roman circus, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if those martyrs that went to their death there were ones who would not deny their faith. Yes. So they, were, they passively resisted. They refused to say that Caesar is Lord. Well, in Islam, you may have some of that, but not really very much because Islam, as martyrs, they've always been in charge, so you don't have that kind of martyrdom. What you do have, though, as a martyr is one who strives in the way of uh, Allah. And what that means is that you're fighting. And so if you die on a battlefield, uh, that is martyrdom. Okay. We don't say that our people who are actually fighting and taking up arms are martyrs. No. They're defending country or they're defending family or they're sure. defending what. Uh, but in Islam, to die on the battlefield as a Muslim uh, is martyrdom. And martyrdom carries with it redemption. If you die uh. as a martyr, uh, that means you will be saved. Mm-hmm. It also will elevate your place in heaven. There are, I think, 100 different levels in heaven, and it, you will be raised up. Uh, through these levels, to be close to Abraham.
0: Well, that's uh, that's very helpful. And to close out, how does that contrast with Christianity in terms of the way of salvation?
1: In Islam, salvation is uh, by fate. By fate. Yes. Mm-hmm. God, uh, God just, uh, as someone explained it to me once, God created a lump of clay and he picks a portion of it throws it into heaven and says i don't care and picks mm-hmm. another portion and throws it into hell mm-hmm. that's different than the christian doctrine of predestination uh, we'll, we can discuss that sometime sure. but uh, a martyr though can know that they are destined for heaven because they have gone through an act or a process that assures redemption the difference in between christians And Islam, in a sense, is that you can be saved by the sword in Islam. Mm -hmm. You're saved by the cross of Jesus in Christianity. Mm. And so that's quite a difference. Uh, Redemption is through Jesus Christ, our Lord Mm -hmm. and Savior, and he died for our sins. And when we receive what he has done for us, uh, we we can be assured that we belong to him. Mm -hmm. But in Islam, you can earn your salvation through martyrdom. And and there is a scale at the end of history that you're balanced on. One of the interesting things I learned, if I can throw this in, is that uh, a person who is striven in the way of Allah, that is, they are on the battlefield battling, when it comes to the day of judgment, uh, the scales are tipped between their good and bad, and you can take the martyr's horse, the horse's urine and dung, and the pail that you feed the horse from and put it on your side of the scales to oh make you heavier.
0: That's fascinating.
1: And it is a fascinating <laughs> concept. Uh, so, so all of that contributes to uh, your salvation.
0: Well, we're so thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so much more we could talk about there, but uh, we are out of time. If a listener has a question for Dr. Vance, we would encourage you to email us. We're at ministry at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Dr. Vance, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.
3: Your grace still amazes me Your love is still a mystery day, I fall on my knees, Cause your grace still amazes me, your grace still amazes